Father, we do need you more and more every day. We're so grateful to you, Father. Lord, thank you for this wonderful day that you've given us. Lord, thank you that we can come into the house of God and lift our voices up in praise and worship and in honor of you, Father, just acknowledging how good you are. And Lord, now we open our Bibles and we pray, Holy Spirit, that you'd open up our understanding. Lord, today, would you speak to our hearts and make a personal application of your word to each of us? And as always, Lord, we give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. And together we'd say, Amen. You may be seated this morning. Praise the Lord. Welcome to the house of God. Don't we have a great day? Yeah, if you guys are all right, we'll leave the doors open for a little while. You know, if a coyote comes running in, just shoot it out. We're in the desert. Second Kings chapter 17, we're studying our way through the Word of God. I've got kind of a, a sensitive announcement because uh, I, it's sensitive. And that is that last week after the service, we found somebody lost a hearing aid. Right? We found, we found a hearing aid, and so it's, it's in the sound booth, if that was you. And just know that now I know that when I go to preach, you take it out. <laughs> so I'm on to you. I'm on to you. There. But it's, it's in the back there. There's a good joke in there somewhere. <laughs> G- give me a couple weeks. I'll come. But, but, <laughs> you know, today in our study through the Word of God, as we're going through the entire Bible, First um, and Second Kings, we've been looking at the, the history of, of Israel, and then we saw how after Solomon's reign that the nation divided into the two nations. We had the ten northern tribes known as Israel, then the two southern tribes known as Judah. They have separate kings. They're going their own separate ways. And as we've been going through it, it's been an interesting study. Well, as we get to chapter 17 today, uh, it's a very sad and sobering portion of Scripture. Because today we're going to see in our study the nation of Israel itself uh, be conquered. They're going to be carried away captive, and they just suffer great defeat. But we learn a lot when we study the Bible. We learn as we study the individual kings. We learn what to do, what not to do. As we study the people, we learn as a, as a group, as a body, as well as individuals, as a nation, what we should do, what brings blessings, what brings curses, and all of this stuff. So it's a great study that we're going to have today. And we'll just, like I say, it's, um, it's tough to see the death of a nation. Right? And the reason that... Israel falls, the reason that they're conquered and carried away captive is not because God couldn't help them, but it's because they forsook God. So it was their own fault. When people forsake God, whether it's as an individual, as a church, as a family, as a nation, uh, there's an interesting phrase in the Bible called the cup of iniquity. We're reading these these verses of scriptures and these chapters and so we're reading them through and they're interesting stories but we've got to understand that as a nation israel has been a people for over 200 years right so all this is happening in a great amount of time and so it's kind of slow but this cup of iniquity if it starts filling there comes a point our god is gracious and patient isn't that good for us right but when that cup of iniquity as isaiah calls it is full friends it's full and this is where we see Israel today, and we're going to look at it here as we get into it. We're going to find that their problems all rested in a spiritual failure, 
But how many of you know a spiritual failure always leads to a moral collapse, right? And that's, that's what we've been saying. So if your Bible's open, let's just jump in there. 2 Kings chapter 17. If you don't have a Bible and want to study with us, we have some available in the front and the back of the church. You're welcome to those. But we're going to get started. Let's read the first four verses. And in the twelfth year of Ahaz, the king of Judah, we looked at that last week, Hosea, the son of Elah, became king of Israel in Samaria, and he reigned for a total of nine years. Verse 2, he did evil in the sight of the Lord, but not as the kings of Israel who were before him. He was a bad guy. He was very ungodly, but there were some worse, right? How many of you know that being the best, worst guy isn't the best? <laughs> right? Now, verse 3 Shalemashur, the king of Assyria, Assyria was the big world power at that time, he came up against him, and Hosea became his vassal and paid him tribute money. Now, Israel, through other kings, have been uh, uh, paying tribute to him, but now that he's the king, they're renegotiating, you know, and all that stuff, and so setting it up. But um, uh, Elisha, uh, Hosea, he doesn't like that, so check it out, verse 4. And the king of Assyria uncovered a conspiracy by Hosea, for he sent messengers to So, now So is the name of the king of Egypt, and he brought no tribute money to the king of Assyria as he had done year by year. Therefore the king of Assyria shut him up and bound him in prison. Pretty self-explanatory, those verses. Hosea was the last king of Israel. Uh, he came to the throne by assassinating the previous king, whose name was Pekot, and uh, he took over. He um, was ungodly, as it says, but not as bad as some of them. And he decides he is not going to pay tribute to the king of Assyria. Now, the devil does what this king does. The devil doesn't like it when we make a move to free ourselves from his bondage. Would you agree with that? And so, Hosea, unlike what we should do, he turned to the king of Egypt. We've learned that Egypt is always a picture of what? The world. Pharaoh is always a picture of who? Satan. Now, ever since Abraham, to try to get out of the consequences of a famine, took his wife to Egypt to try to find help, that didn't work out at all for him. Various kings of Israel would always, not all of them, but some of them would always turn to Egypt for help. Well, that's a picture of us, the people of God, turning to the world instead of to God. If he would have turned to God, God would have helped him. But instead, he turns to so. And the world is so-so at best. <laughs> Waited all week for that one. Right. Got to work with me, folks. <laughs> but isn't that a great spiritual picture? And so Assyria then says, we ain't having none of that. So they put him in, in prison. And isn't that what the world will do? Okay. We, we try to get ourselves out of bondage but we just get ourselves in more trouble you know sin is very deceptive isn't it we'll talk more about that in a minute so he gets thrown in prison he's in there for three years and what happens is now the king goes after the whole nation look at verse five now the king of assyria went throughout all the land and he went up to samaria that was their capital and he besieged it for three years in those three years He's conquering all the little cities. He's doing all the things that a nation does when they take over another nation. And they're blocking in the capital. And it says, verse 6, In the ninth year of Hosea, the king of Assyria 
took Samaria. This is 722 B.C. after a three-year uh, besiegement. They take it, and look what he does. He carries Israel away to Assyria, and he placed them in Hala and by the harbor, uh, the river Gozan. That's in northern Afghanistan. You can even find that today. And in the cities of the Medes. Now, it was common practice back there that whenever you would conquer a city, when you'd conquer a people, you would take all of their healthy, young, active people out of the city and put them in a foreign land. You would leave the elderly, the crippled, those who, who um, had some difficulties, you would leave them in your place and you'd transplant other conquered people into that place, right? What was the reason for doing that? Well, there's a couple reasons. The first reason was it would, it would dissolve their, their national identity. When you start taking away a people's patriotism, you've conquered a nation. And the second reason for doing that is not only to, uh, to take away their identity and their patriotism, is uh, it keeps them, and this is, I mean, we see this happening in the world today, it, it prevents them from trying to fight back. Now, I got to uh, spend a little time, it's just interesting on our Wednesday study in the book of Acts, some of this stuff is, was playing into effect that we've seen happening in the New Testament. So I've got to give you a little history in order to make the rest of this chapter make sense. Whenever the king of Assyria took the people of Israel and transplanted them out in the pagan world and brought the pagan people who were conquered and brought them in Israel, right? Now, they're all mixed multitudes. They're all different people here. Well, what happened is after a few years, the people started to, to intermarry and reproduce. By the time we get to the New Testament, we meet this people known as the Samaritans. They're called the Samaritans because their capital is in Samaria, right? Who were the Samaritans? The Samaritans were the offsprings of the half-Jewish people and the other nations. So they were not a, a, a purebred people. Now, they were going on doing their thing. After the Babylonian captivity of Judah, who we'll get to in a couple chapters, they get to go back to Jerusalem and they start to rebuild the temple. When they start to rebuild the temple, the Samaritan comes to them and says, brethren, we want to help you build the temple. We, we, we got the tools. Let's do it, right? But the, the, the true Jews from Judah, they said, you can't help us build the temple because you're not of pure lineage. You're, 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 you're of a mixed blood. Right? Well, that caused this war between them. And from that point, these two nations, these two people who were really connected, they were button heads. By the time we get to Jesus' time in the New Testament, the Jewish people wouldn't, wouldn't even walk through Samaria. They'd walk around Samaria. They hated the Samaritans. When Jesus told the parable of the good Samaritan, they were freaking out. You could just see him going, you know, how can you call a Samaritan good? How can they be the hero? And when Jesus told the disciples, I got to go to Samaria. They thought Jesus was crazy. But Jesus says, I got to go to a well there. There's a lady who needs some help. Right? So this is how we got the Samaritans. Now hold on to all that information because it's going to play into effect as we, we keep going. You guys still with me? Okay. So they got, this is interesting, they would transplant the people in these different places, trying to get them to conform with each other. How many of you know that the Bible says that we are to conform to Christ? 
not to the world. It's a sad, sad state of affairs. More churches are conforming to the world than to God, right? We're to, uh, anyway, don't, let, let, don't get me started on that. I've got to preach it. Verse 7, here's the result. Here's the reason for all this happening. That first word in verse 7 is the word for. That tells us it's because of what we just read. Is The result of what we just read is because of what we're about to read. Verse 7. So it was that the children of Israel had sinned against the Lord their God who had brought them up out of the land of Egypt from under the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. We all know that story, right? How that's a picture of our new life in Christ, how we're delivered from sin and bondage and we're set free, right? It's a beautiful picture of salvation. They went through all that, but instead of staying true to God, they start, look what it says here, they feared other gods. So the first step in their downward spiral is they feared other gods. That word fear there, as we've learned in the Bible, is, is the words for reverence, honor, respect, and worship. It's not like like terror, fear, you know, boo, not that fear. It's, it's they started worshiping and honoring these foreign gods and not Jehovah God. When you start getting away from, from Father God of the Bible and start worshiping other gods, friends, you're on the road to destruction. And that was their downfall. And how many of you know that, that your, rigi- your religious belief will always determine your, your civic and your moral behavior, Right? So it says here, they feared the other gods. Look at verse 8. Here's the second thing. And they walked in the statutes of the nations. Not just the religion of the nations, but now they're living by the behaviors and the laws of the nation. How many of you know that even in our great country, that we have laws that will allow us to do terrible things? And there are some things that, that we as Americans are free to do, but as a Christian, we're not free to do it. Well, they started to do the things that these pagan nations were doing. So they're worshiping these pagan gods, and now they're practicing and living the way the pagans do. And, and uh, it goes on to say, whom the Lord God had cast them out from before the children of Israel, of the kings of Israel, which they had made. You know, if God got rid of something out of your life, don't go resurrect that. Thank you for that thunderous silence. You're waiting, you're waiting for a hook there, weren't you? Right? You know? Verse 9. Also, not only did they do that, boy, here, here's where it's going to start getting personal and tricky, and, and you guys are Christians, so you've got to love me at the end of this. Also, the children of Israel secretly did against the Lord their God things that were not right. Friends, there are some things that are right, and there's some things that are wrong. And this was their, their third step on the way down is they started out sinning secretly. Friends, Hebrews 4.13 tells us that there's nothing secret. All things are naked and open before God. Nothing is done in secret that the Lord sees, He hears, because He didn't have a hearing aid. And He knows all. Got some... Some fascinating scriptures for you. Would you put on the overhead, first of all, please, Ezekiel 8, 12. And remember, our title here is there's no such thing as a secret sin. Then he said to me, son of man, have you seen what the elders, okay, this is the top guys, the elders of the house of Israel do in the dark? Every man in the room of his idols. 
For they say, here's the big lie of the devil. The Lord does not see us. The Lord has forsaken the land. We're getting away with this and God hasn't done anything. Right? The next one. Psalm 98. You have set your iniquities before you. Look at this, what people say. Our secret sins in the light of your countenance. God sees what we do in secret. And He'll put a frown on His face when we sin. Right? There's no such thing as a secret sin. And the result of a secret sin is it always becomes, it always develops into open sinning. Look at verse 10. And then they set up for themselves sacred pillars. I'm sorry, I'm still in verse 9. Uh, they built for themselves high places in all the cities from a watchtower to the fortified cities. Watchtower, that would be a good name for a pagan religion publication. <laughs> verse 10. They also set up for themselves sacred pillars and wooden images. These would be the... Uh, the, the um, pornographic statues of, of Astra on every high hill and under every green tree. Verse 11. This is, you know, secret sin will always lead to open sin. They started doing this, you know, on their computer in their closet. Now they're building buildings all over. And verse 11. Then they burned incense on those high places like the nations whom the Lord had carried away before them and they did wicked things to provoke the Lord to anger. Friends, if you don't think God doesn't get mad at your sin, you're wrong. Now, our God is loving. He is just. He's faithful. He's willing to forgive you. But He won't put up with sin forever. Right? And so, uh, verse 13, here's the, the fourth thing in their downfall let, let me read verse 12 and then 13 for this is 12 for they served idols of which the lord had said to them you shall not do this now notice verse 13 yet the lord testifies against you israel and against judah by all of his prophets every seer saying turn from your evil ways and keep my commandments and my statutes according to all the law which i commanded your fathers and which I sent to you by my servants, the prophets. Here's the next thing that they were guilty of, that people are guilty of today, and that is they ignored God's warning. They flat out ignored the warnings that God sent them. For the overhead, please screen Zechariah 7.11. And remember, Zechariah is prophesying during this time. He's speaking directly to what we're reading about. But they refused to heed shrug their shoulders, stop their ears so that they may not hear. They chose to ignore God's warning and word. Because look at verse 14. Nevertheless, they would not hear the message, but they stiffened their necks. That was a phrase to describe an ox who refused to be directed. Stiff-necked. Okay? It's it's a free choice. They, they made the choice. It wasn't, it wasn't that they w had a lack of knowledge or information. They had the information. They chose to ignore it and not to believe God. They stiffened their necks like the necks of their fathers who did not believe in their Lord God. So it's been going on for decades. 
they had a conscious choice to not heed the word of God. I wrote this note down. I've got to read it as I wrote it. Resistance, refusing to obey, and rejecting the Lord in your life will lead to damage, defeat, and destruction. Solomon gave us a great warning to us in Proverbs 29.1, if you put that on there. He who is often rebuked, okay, God sends you warnings. It might be, it might be in your life, it might be a conviction that God puts in your heart. He who, who is often rebuked and hardens his neck, in other words, decide I'm going to ignore the warnings of God, I'm going to continue doing what I'm doing, look, will suddenly be destroyed and that without remedy. Wow. We make the choice to ignore God. We, we quit valuing His Word. And we live like the world. You may get away with it for a while. But suddenly, poof. Destroyed. Without remedy. That's a very stern scripture. Alright, verse 15. They stiffened their neck. Verse 15. They rejected His statutes and His covenant. Uh, friends, let me tell you this. Anyone who tells you the Bible's outdated for today they're lying to you you're falling into the the trap that we're reading about right here this word is is the living word of god and it's just as powerful today as the day that god inspired the holy men to write it down you want to have some fun next time you're on a flight and uh, take your bible out and go like this and when someone looks at you just just go it's a living bible <laughs> they won't talk to you the rest of the flight you can nap they'll give you your peanuts just to yeah, I've learned that key to do. And I lost my place. Verse 15, let's just start verse 15 all over. And they rejected His statutes and His covenant. That, that, for us today, that would be His Word, his, his Bible. That He made with their fathers and His testimonies, which they, and they followed idols. Now, in the original and in the, if you have the old King James, that word there is vanity. And they become idolaters and went after the nations who were all around them concerning whom the Lord had charged them that they should not do like them. Now, it's interesting that uh, that first word idols is actually the word vanity. Vanity means empty, useless, nothing. It says they they chose nothing. They chose vanity and they become idolaters. There's another great truth in the scripture on the overhead, please. Psalms 115, 8. This tells us a great truth that we know. We maybe never have read it in words, but we become like the gods we worship. Check it out. Those who make them, and speaking of idols, are like them. So is everyone who trusts in them. He's talking about these false gods. You become like the God you worship. Right? Why did God say make no graven images? Because we would limit God to the, the features of a graven image. How, how do you, I mean, we can't even describe God in words other than God is love. God is light. God is life. And that still doesn't do it justice. If you think about it, right? But if you build an idol, if your idol's got ears, okay, my God can hear. But he doesn't have eyes. You see what I mean? We start custom making God and we start limiting our God. You become like the gods that you and it's empty. The whole book of Ecclesiastes tells us that it's emptiness to pursue the work of your hands. 
It's emptiness to pursue what, God, what the world can give you. Only fulfillment is found in God. We, as Christians, and as a church, we are not to reflect the world, but we're to reflect Christ. In the book of Acts, we will be getting to this portion in a couple weeks on Wednesday nights. As mockery, they started calling Christians Christians. Christians, the phrase means little Christ. Today, boy, this, well, this one, let me look, it won't affect any of you guys. There's a lot of Christians who are so far from being little Christ that we should be calling them demons. I don't know what we would call them. But you know what I'm saying? We're not called to reflect the world, friends. We're called to reflect Christ and that be a witness to the world. All right, let's keep going here. Isn't this great? Man, learning what not to do. Uh, verse 16 uh, so they left all the commandments of the Lord their God. Today we would say the teachings of the Bible that God made, and they made for themselves a molded image and two calves. Now, let me take you back 200 years in this process when um, one of the Boam, was it Rehoboam or Jeroboam? Jeroboam, okay, thank you. See, you guys making taking notes, you're doing good. See, I'm doing my job made the two golden calves of convenience, right? Remember, told the people, oh, don't go to Jerusalem. Don't go to the temple. Just worship here. Okay. Never underestimate the power of one little lie. And never underestimate in your spiritual walk uh, the misunderstanding of convenience and comfort. <laughs> Started with two little gold calves. Then they made wooden images. Then they worshiped all the host of heaven. That is astrology, the stars and everything. Put on the overhead, please. Deuteronomy 4, 19, and then Deuteronomy 17, 3. And take heed, lest you lift your eyes to heaven. Look up in the sky. Don't you love looking at the sky? I mean, it's beautiful. Haven't we had some amazing sunrises and sunsets lately? I mean, just it shows the first chapter in the book of, of, of Romans tells us that it that declares the majesty of God. But there's a warning. Be careful when you lift your eyes to heaven and when you see the sun, the moon, and the stars and all the host of heaven that you feel driven to worship them and to serve them, which the Lord your God has given to all the people under the whole heaven as a heritage. Yeah, they're blessing for us. We're to enjoy them. Yeah. You know, they, they say the moon affects the, uh, the water, the oceans and stuff, and I believe that's true. Right? Uh, and then verse 17:3, "Who has gone and served other gods and worshiped them, either the sun or the moon, the moon, or any of the host of heavens, which I have not commanded?" Astrology and those type of things are not from God. I've got some scriptures here that I'll share with you in just a minute as we get farther down in this, uh, because I mentioned that last week and someone watching online blew a gasket. And uh, God says you're not to do that. I'm still in verse 16. I'm sorry, verse 17. Uh, verse 17. 
And they caused their sons and their daughters to pass through the fire, child sacrifice. Again, worshiping Molech and Chemosh, they would burn their babies. They practiced witchcraft and soothsaying. Soothsaying is, is foretelling events and predictions. At witchcraft, there's the word sorcery. That would include palm reading, tea leaf reading, uh, crystal balls, anything that you would use to try to tell the future. Let me give you the scriptures that, that tell us we're not to do that. I just gave you a couple about the, the stars and stuff. But Leviticus 19, 29 through 31 tells us we're not to be involved in those things. That's out of the Bible, not out of Clay's opinion. It's out of the word of God. And we're just reading that they got in trouble for doing this stuff. And look what happened. And they sold themselves to do evil in the sight of, of the Lord. They didn't just stumble into it. They did this on purpose. They sold themselves out to do what was evil in the sight of the Lord. They ignored the prophet's warning. They put away the Torah. And they pursued these other gods. And now they're being carried away captive. Uh, they sold themselves to do evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. Once again, God gets angry at sin. Why does he get angry at sin? Because he sin separates us from God. The wages of sin are death. And God gave us a remedy in his son, Jesus Christ. Why would we ignore that? You know, I didn't have a, a, a religious upbringing. We were very good, godly people, but never went to church true story here. I'm not making a joke but it makes you chuckle I didn't know there was any differences between all the religions of the world I had I had no idea and when I wanted to date the girl who's now my wife she wouldn't date me unless I went to church with her and I thought I'll do this one or two times get it out of her system and <laughs> come on fellas you know what I'm talking about you know We'll get, we'll get this done and get on with this thing, right? You know? Man, the, and then she was like a fanatic. Wednesday nights, Sunday nights. Southern Baptist. Third Sunday night of October, 1981. That preacher, he, boy, he, we need more hellfire and brimstone. But he explained the simple message of salvation. And Dummy Clay was like, that's easy. Who would not want this deal? Salvation's easy. You're in trouble without God. And God gave you what you need. His son Jesus. Even I could do that. Change my life forever. Awesome. Because I got the girl. Valentine's dinner, fellas. <laughs> I'm paying for it. You get the attaboys. <laughs> Sign up. Anyway, God, God has given us His Son, Jesus. Friends, it's so simple. It's so easy. And it's so life-changing for the better. Amen. Let's keep going here. Thank you. <laughs> Therefore, the Lord was very angry with Israel. This is his people. Here's the worst part of all of this, friends. This is a picture of hell. And he removed them from his sight. 
Hell is a very real place. It's a very bad place. Nothing pleasant about it. People joke about it and they're stupid. But the worst part, what makes hell hell, is forever being separated from God. The best part of heaven, what makes heaven heaven, Jesus said, and there I'll be with you always. The mansions we talk about are cool. The streets of gold's cool. All that stuff. I don't know if we get to walk on clouds. I'm not sure everything's going to happen in heaven. But what makes heaven heaven is we're going to be with God forever. And the worst part of hell is not being with God forever. God cast them out of his sight. And there was none left but the tribe of Judah alone. Judah's going to last a couple hundred more years because although they were bad, uh, they had their problems. But every now and then there'd be a godly king. Five of them would come and Next chapter, we're going to read about a great revival that happened. So their cup didn't fill as fast, but unfortunately it did. Verse 19 is the warning that we will see of Judah in the future. Also, Judah did not keep the commandments of the Lord their God, but walked in the the statutes of Israel as they had made. Once again, they lasted a little bit longer than Israel, but but they, uh, they have some problems. Look at verse 20. And the Lord, number one, rejected all the descendants of Israel. Number two, afflicted them. And number three, delivered them into the hands of the plunders until he cast them out from his sight. Rejection, affliction, delivered into the, the plunders. That's what awaits you if you reject God. If you keep stiffening your own neck against God, against his word, against his precious Holy Spirit and the conviction he brings, that's what you have to look forward to and it's not fun. For he tore Israel from the, the house of David. We saw that at the split with Solomon. And he made Jeroboam, there he is, Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, king. And then Jeroboam drove Israel from following the Lord and made them commit a great sin. And that was when he built the two golden calves and said, you can worship here. Once again, never underestimate the influence of one person. Because it took 200 years, but that one act destroyed a nation verse 22 for the children of israel walked in all the sins of jeroboam which he did and they did not depart from then until the lord removed israel out of his sight as he had said by all his servants the prophets so israel was carried away from their own land to assyria as it is to this day once again uh all of this happened as a result of them denying god uh we're going to finish the chapter i'm going to read it all and it won't take long. It's very self-explanatory. I've got a couple scriptures for the, for the screen. But this will kind of summarizes what we just read. So let's read it all here. And then the king of, this verse 24. Then the king of Assyria brought people from Babylon, Cushath, Ava, Hamath, from that, those places. Like I told you, he would bring people in that have been conquered. He brought them all in to dwell in the cities of Samaria. I mean Israel. Verse 25. And it was so at the beginning of their dwelling there that they did not fear the Lord. Therefore, the Lord sent lions among them, which killed some of them. I don't know about you guys, but I think that's cool. <laughs> I think it's funny. You know, these pagans come into God's turf and they don't give him any respect. So he sends lions. I just... I, I guess I'm more twisted than you guys. I think it's funny. But here's a warning. Man, just don't go bouncing in the church, acting all proud and cocky and like the world. 
Because the enemy, Satan, will pounce on you like a roaring lion. Right? So, I don't think I'm not, I don't think I'm talking to any non-Christians, but if you're here today and you're non-Christian, you need to give God some respect. If you're a Christian here today, you need to give God some respect. He's our great, awesome God. He's not the old man upstairs. Right? He's not, well, let's get going. You guys get the picture. These lions come. Verse 26. So they spoke to the king of Assyria, saying, The nations whom you have removed and placed in the city of Samaria, uh, uh, they don't know the rituals of the God of this land. Remember, they thought God's dwelled in geographical locations. Our God got the whole earth, right? And whole everything. He said, therefore, the God of the land has sent lions among them, and indeed they are killing them because they don't know the rituals of the God of Israel. Now, the rest of this, here's the, the important point. From this point that I'm going to read, here's the danger that we have. They're going to try to appease God, but not please God. Okay? Look what happens. So the king of Assyria commanded, saying, Send there one of the priests whom you brought from there. They were all crazy priests anyway. They weren't straight up Jehovah priests, but they were pagan priests. He said, Send one of them there to go and dwell and teach them the rituals of the God of the land. And one of the priests whom they carried away from Samaria came and dwelt in Bethel and taught them how they should fear the Lord. Once again, this was an act of trying to appease God, not please God. People today are doing the same thing. We get ourselves in trouble, so now, let's be honest. So in our mind, we're going to behave, we're going to do something, we're going to have an activity to try to appease God. When our focus, our heart, our mind should be on pleasing God every day. Not that he's a hard taskmaster, but because he's a loving, good God. So we should live to please him. Verse 29, however, every nation continued to make their gods of their own and put them in the shrines on the high places which the Samaritans had made. Uh, every nation in the cities where they dwelt, the men of Babylon made, and they start naming all these gods and these idols. Verse 32, so they feared the Lord. Now, this is interesting. And from every class, they appointed for themselves priests of the high places who sacrificed for them in the shrines in the high places. They just brought in their own fake gods, set them in temples and shrines, but they kept the religious rituals of Jehovah going. But they just let anybody do it. Not, not the priest. Friends, when you've got someone who's not born again, not filled with the Spirit, not called of God, as your spiritual leader, you need a new spiritual leader. Right? You can't just... The New Testament says, says you can hire an ear tickler. In fact, a lot of people will do it. But they're taking you far away from God. Verse 33. Check this out. They feared God. They worshiped God. They went through the religious rituals. Yet they served their own gods according to the rituals of the nations of whom uh, they were carried away. So they brought them with them. To this day, they continued practicing their former rituals. They do not fear the Lord, nor do they follow their statutes or their ordinances or the laws and commandments which the Lord had commanded the children of Jacob, whom 
whom he named Israel, with whom the Lord made a covenant and charged them, saying, You shall not fear other gods, nor bow down to them to serve them, nor sacrifice to them. Exodus 22.5, Deuteronomy 5.9. Verse 36, But the Lord who brought you up from the land of Egypt with great power and an outstretched arm, him you shall fear, him you shall worship, him shall you offer sacrifices. And the statutes, the ordinances, the law, the commandments which I wrote for you, you shall be careful to observe forever. You shall not fear other gods. And the covenant that I have made with you, you shall not forget, nor shall you fear other gods. But the Lord your God you shall fear, and he will deliver you from the hand of all your enemies. Take time to read Deuteronomy chapter 28. It tells you all the blessings of, of following, worshiping, being true to God, but also all the curses. Verse 40, however, they did not obey. They followed their former rituals. So the nations feared the So these nations feared the Lord, yet they served their carved images. You can't be mixing. You can't you can't ride the fence. Right. Choose you this day who you're going to serve. You, you can't Elijah on, the, on Mount Carmel says, if God's God, serve God, get rid of the other ones. If the other gods are God, get rid of Jehovah. But you got to make your decision. Friends, you can't live with one foot in the church and one foot in the world. You've got to make your decision. Uh, verse 41, let me read it again, then we're closing up. Um, so these nations feared the Lord, yet served their carved images. Also their children and their children's children had continued doing as their fathers did even to this day. I got some scriptures I forgot. The one about appeasing God and not pleasing him. I'm going to skip that one and get to the last one. Huh? You need that one? Okay. Put Isaiah 64, 6 up. In trying to appease the Lord, a lot of people think by doing good deeds, behaving nicely, and, and, and buying Girl Scout cookies. No, there's not. Thin mints don't work. I'm just telling you right now. They don't work. But we are all like an unclean thing and all of our righteousness. The things that we do, the best that we can do are as filthy rags. We will all fade as a leaf and our impurities like the wind have taken us away. If you're trying to appease God by doing good, it won't work. And then Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says this. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that's not even of yourself. It's the gift of God. Not of works. You can't earn it. You can't, you can't appease God. But you can please God. How can you please God? By taking His gift. By taking the gift. Anyway, your works that you're doing, you can't boast in, in that. Alright, now let's move to the end. In the end here, to close, I want to put Second um, Peter three seventeen up. It says this: You therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, we're studying these things. We're examining what the people of the Old Testament went through, what the the nations went through, what God expects, what He doesn't expect, all that. Since we know all this beforehand, beware lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked. Friends, we study these things not just to 
learn history, which is great history, not just for an entertaining story, which it is an entertaining story. Wouldn't this make a great movie? Series, a mini-series. But we learn this for life. And now that we know these things, we're responsible that we don't fall for the error of the wicked. What is the error of the wicked? Someone telling you that God's word's not true. Someone telling you that you can, you can mix religion of the world with the religion of Christianity. The error of the wicked is telling you that you can live in sin and God doesn't care. That's a lie. But the truth that we've learned today is that in spite of what we've done, we have hope, we have an answer. That's Jesus Christ. Amen. Hey, let's stand. Worship team, join me up here. After our, uh, this was kind of one of them heavy chapters. We study revival next week. So that'll be good. That'll be good, right? But what we're going to do now is, as you know, after our, our Bible study, we have a time of, of prayer, time here of the worship. And I'm just going to ask the worship team to, to come forward. And they're going to play a song. And while that song is playing, would you just take a moment to, to talk to the Lord just amongst yourself, just to yourself, and ask God to reveal to you, is there something in my life that maybe you're not happy with? Or maybe you're struggling with something that we didn't talk about today. Before we open the altars, I want to give you just an opportunity to kind of meditate and talk to God yourself. And then maybe after one course, one time through, Kelly and the fellows and I will, will come up front. And then if you need prayer, we invite you to come forward. We'll pray with you. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, that's the first order of business that you need to take care of. I hope that, that I've explained it okay today. Bottom line is this, friends, that whatever you need, Jesus is the answer. If it's physical, if it's spiritual, emotional, finance, whatever it is, Jesus got you covered. And today we can pray about it and take care of it. So I'm going to close our study in a prayer. Let's just in quiet meditation and worship. Let the worship team play through once and then when you see us walk up front, the altars would be open for prayer. Let's Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you, God, for the just the awesome opportunity. What a great blessing it is to be able to study your word. Father, may we heed these great warnings that we've read about today. And Lord, may we not stiffen our necks to you. Father, may we move to please You. Because Father, as ancient Israel found out, Your warnings are true. Your warnings are real. And the consequences of sin are devastating. But Lord, as we will see in the next chapter, Your blessings for obedience are also true. They're also great. And they're also awesome. So help us to heed your word, all of it, Lord. In Jesus' name.